It is time for our encounter with God. So I'm not going to lie. I'm totally trying to read Acts 3 to find this thing. I don't have time for that. So <laughs> we're going to move on with the show. But if you guys know the answer, yeah, do give us a call. Um, prize up for grabs. Um, encounter with God. This is our Bible study. All around the world, people are studying the same kind of passage. If you're following with us this week, you know we're in Isaiah. Um, before we get into it, Maybe, do you want to say for a prayer for us, Renee? Absolutely. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, as we open your word, we ask for your Holy Spirit. Mm. Uh, may you be in our conversation and be in the hearts and the minds of the listeners out there. I pray that uh, we will hear your voice and we thank you so much that you speak to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. So yesterday we were in Isaiah 8, verse 1 to 10. Now we're moving on. We're in Isaiah chapter 8 still, but we're going to go verses 11 to 15. I'm just going to flick over there. Um, in his first inaugural address, this is just a little bit of thoughts for you. Mm. American President Franklin D. Roosevelt told a nation disheartened by the Great Depression, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Isaiah's message to depressed people is we have nothing to fear when we fear God himself. Oh, I've not actually not thought about that. Hmm. Mm. Okay, we have nothing to fear when we fear God himself. Okay, so we're going to go Isaiah chapter 8. Did you have that, Renee? Did you want to read that? Yes. So Isaiah chapter 8, verse 11 to 15, right? Oh, yes. Sorry. Okay. So here we go. The Lord has given me a strong warning not to think like everyone else does. He said, don't call everything a conspiracy like they do and don't live in dread of what frightens them. Make the Lord's of make the Lord of heaven's armies holy in your life. He is the one you should fear. He is the one who should make you tremble. He will keep you safe. But to Israel and Judah, he will be a stone that makes people stumble, a rock that makes them fall. And for the people of Jerusalem, he will be a trap and a snare. Many will stumble and fall, never to rise again. They will be snared and captured. Mm. That's an incredible passage. Anything stood out to you particularly as we just read that through the first time? Well, I think the first part, verse 12, says don't call everything a conspiracy like they do. (laughs) Don't live in dread of what frightens them. I think sometimes, many times, conspiracy theories work on the fear of people. Yeah, yeah. And um, it uses, like, it uses your emotions to really, I guess, get a, put you in a space of fear. Yes. Um, and when you're dwelling too much on things that, honestly, there are things we don't understand and we don't know what's happening behind the scenes. But if you're obsessing over it too much, then you get in a space where you're just constantly suspicious or scared, fearful, um, maybe bitter about the world. And it doesn't put you in a position where God wants you to be, I don't think. I think God calls us to serve each other, um, Mm. to grow and to learn in him um, and to live a life that reflects him. Right. But also to be joyful and to, I don't know, the life that God calls us to isn't a life of fear of yes. being scared of the future. Um, we, although we don't, we are not certain about the future. We are certain that God does overcome the enemy and, and, and God does come, come out victorious and we can be sure in that fact. But that really stood out to me where God says, don't call everything a conspiracy like they do. And don't live in dread of what frightens them. Hmm. I I really concur with you. I was thinking that as you started reading, 
because I and I do think we need to keep our eyes open and alert to what's around us. Absolutely, yes. I mean, I'm the first person who'll tell you. I can be so skeptical. Yeah. I'm like, I won't be against something. I just have questions. Yeah, you'll challenge it. Yeah, it needs to be challenged to find truth, right? Yeah, and even yeah, I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> big questioner. But as you said, I mean, you know what? COVID is a perfect example, which I'm just going to use because I have heard so many different thoughts about it, like yes. through the year, like yes. so many, like yeah. not even just these are my two main ones. It's so many people I spoke to. And, you know, honestly, whether they're right or wrong, something I started to notice, not among everyone, but there were quite a few conversations I had that their thing about it was, oh, you know, Jesus is coming back and this is awesome. But then they spent a lot, like a lot of time focusing on this, um, you know, I'll call it a conspiracy. Look, it could be true. But I was like, hmm, as you said, Renee, to stay in that spot of such uncertainty. And it's like, yeah, but we have an assurance in Jesus. And it's not that we shouldn't keep our eyes open to what's happening, but we've got to keep our eyes focused on him. You know, there's like this difference, mm, mm. like know the circumstance you're in, know the reality where you are and like seek to understand, you know, don't just, I don't know, believe anything you're told just because you're told it. Like try do your own research. Maybe you'll find some crazy things. I don't know. But I don't know. Part the- of uh, the whole thing is part of like seeking this truth. Or I think the greatest truth is realizing that God of the character of God. That is mm, the greatest truth yes. of all. And that's something that we should put our time into more. The moment you put your, your like, because it says here, it says don't call everything conspiracy like they do. Don't live in dread of what fears them. The moment you put, not the moment, but when you, in, in the times where you put your fear in things, um, in other things other than God, you've really taken your eyes off God. You have, Mm. you've taken your, your energy, your time, your, like you now are scared because you no longer trust God as much as you should. Like in a, do you kind of, I totally, totally. I didn't put that the best way. No, no, no. I, I understand. Uh, Sorry. did I? No, no, no. It's just when you put your energy and your fear into other things, you're not putting, Mm. you're not fearing God in the biblical way and giving him glory. I remember talking to a friend a while ago. And we were talking about, okay, so go back to the Ten Commandments, say, you know, and it starts with this beautiful passage of, I have redeemed you, I have saved you, now you respond. But then it goes on, which what people often talk about the Ten Commandments is, you shall have no other gods before me. And I think when what you're just saying, when you, when you, oh, what did you say? When you f- start to focus on your fear, you've actually made a God out of your fear above mm. God, our creator mm-hmm. and our savior, mm-hmm. right? Like, so those gods we put before, you know, I could say, oh, but I don't serve idols or da, 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 or, you know, I don't believe in 10 million other, or whatever. But there are still things that I can put in the place of where God actually It's is. interesting your mind, like the moment you get fixated on something, it mm. really, like you said, it, it's like a, it's like a, an image, an idol in your mind, like mm, a mm, mental mm, one mental. that you create yeah. in your mind and it has its own, like <laughs> your mind can take you places. It will take a lot if you have, you know, just ideas you'll take a mind of its own and mm. you really just get distracted and it really like what are you doing now for god like what is are you living your purpose for god are you getting distracted so it's just a really good reminder to have 
You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Yeah. Yeah, another friend said to me oh, a few years ago now, she said, you know, you will never, ever be able to control your situation if you cannot control your imagination. Just speaking of Ooh. the power of the mind, right? Oh, yeah, mm. yeah. You know, and so, and then you can put that in any context. You can put that in, oh, I don't know. Can you say you, that again? What is it? So you will never be able to control your situation if you cannot control your imagination. So it's basically what what power do you allow your mind to just have? Where do you go with that? What fear do you allow to speak into that? What what I don't know, anything. Pick what pride do you allow yourself to dwell on? The, you know that that thought of yourself or your situation. What temptation? You know, what what do I see? What person do I see? Then maybe I'm like, "Oh, you know, I'm not going to cheat on my person with them, but I'm going to think about." It. You know, like it's just about does that make sense? Yeah. Like, mm. it's, it, that makes complete sense, especially in this story when God comes to Ahaz mm. through his prophet Isaiah, giving so many, uh, uh, giving a prophecy that, I mean, you know, encouragement and hope to King Ahaz. Yet his response is he chooses not to have faith mm. in God. Mm. And despite the truth that God gives, he allowed his own imagination, his own imagination of the fear that he had of these of these kingdoms, Israel and Syria, to lead him to go to the bigger enemy who ended up actually got turning on him. Yeah. So our fears can really lead us into dark paths where we that is no good for us. Mm. What we think, what does the Bible say? Like what we think is smart for us is actually, it's actually foolish. Not, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I'll continue on those verses now. So verse 13 and 14, I find really interesting. So verse 13, the Lord of hosts, him you shall hallow, or I guess have as the holy thing. Let him be your fear. Mm. Let him be your dread. Mm. He will be as a sanctuary, but a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to both the house of Israel, both the houses of Israel as a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Mm. So let's go down this track a bit. Let's go down this rabbit hole, see where we end up. But this is something that a lot of people have questions about. And I understand the questions is, well, what does it mean if God is, as it says, it's, he's this sanctuary? So we associate places being a place of sanctuary with um, comfort and delight and ease and peace and rest and safety from the external whatever is after us you know whatever but then it's also but also a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense let him be your fear like what does this it um sorry i think as humans this can be a hard picture to reconcile because to us it's so contradictory or it should be so contradictory the same as we have you know the bible tells us that god is a man of war but he's also our counselor and friend and a god of comfort and Mm. peace he's a prince of peace right Mm. so what does that mean prince of peace man of war Often in conversations I've had with, you know, just friends or whoever, we go, oh, this doesn't make sense, but it does. Mm. You you can have this duality without it being um, dissonant. I see. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that word. That word describes it perfectly. There is a duality Mm. without it contradicting itself. Yes. Yes. Mm. Hmm. Um, and it's just so I'm reading Psalms for my devotions, and just this morning before I came to radio, I was reading Psalms chapter two, and it just reminded me as I was reading that um, in verse, where is it? Chapter two, verse eleven. It says, "Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling." Hmm. 
I was thinking about this. Now, tell me what you think. This was fully just a conversation I had. I have lots of conversations with people about things because I'm like, I must know. Tell me your thoughts. Yes, it's great <laughs> to get perspective. I agree. Yeah, which is why we do I these think, Bible studies, yeah, right? Like, yeah. So, and we do want to hear from our listeners. So absolutely. if you do have any um, comments about what we're discussing, please do text in. You know the numbers. 1-800-324-843 or text in at 0491-064-669. Absolutely. Um, and we're discussing this idea. So it's like, okay, for him to be our fear, for him – to be our dread. One of the conversations I had with a friend, and I can't specifically remember what the circumstance was, but we were basically talking about this idea that we'd had some interactions with different people where, man, they just saw us. Like we had some bit of – each of us individually had some bit messy things going on in our lives And it's the sort of things you you don't really want people to know about. Yeah. That you're just like, I'm a mess. <laughs> and what are you going to do with this knowledge now that you have it? Yeah. You know, and sometimes that can be you share something from your past that you're like, I'm mm, not super proud about that, but it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's, you know, the things that you're presently in. Mm-hmm. And I can't even remember who I was experiencing this with, but I remember talking to my friend and I was just like, it was so unnerving how – how much they were just willing to be there and to see and to hear. And I was like, I don't I don't want you to have this picture of me. And I think it's that idea that we actually see often in the Old Testament when God is just like, like, I see your nakedness. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Like your and your shame is gonna be exposed. And this was just a an idea we were throwing around, but this idea of fearing the Lord, I was like, maybe is it that kind of space where it's unnerving to be so fully seen. Yeah. Um, and to have to stand before a God and be like, yeah, that's, this is me. Like I have nothing left to give, but this is all I have to give. Yeah. Um, having that awareness is part of worship. I think, you know, mm. realizing who you are and realizing who God is Yeah. and just being in awe of that and trembling and just knowing that this God still chooses to, to love me, to li- love us. Yeah. Like, I, I, I like that thought. I, I can subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> I could take it. Well, because it is an interesting thing, right? Like, because we, we also see in – oh, let's go to Revelations. Let's go to Revelations 14, 6 to 12. Um, yeah. We do see all through the Bible this this idea of fear God, serve God. Um, where am I? Revelations 14. Mm-hmm. This is also a great passage. For those of you who have not spent a lot of time in Revelation, I just want to give it a cheeky shout out right now. People are often a bit scared of this book because they're like, oh, it's apocalypse and hectic and dragons and whatever. But if you read the first chapter, it says, you know, this is a revelation about Jesus Christ. And we know that Jesus is absolutely our hope and, you know, who has great empathy and compassion for us as humans. So, yeah, just just look into this book. There's some amazing Amazing many things, prophecy, mm-hmm. visions, just explanations. But just that's a little side note. We're going to read Revelation 14, 6 to 12. Uh, verse 6 to 12? Yeah. All right. And I saw another angel flying through the sky, carrying the eternal good news to proclaim to the people who belong to this world, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. Fear God, he shouted. Give glory to him. For the time has come when he will sit as judge. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all the springs of water. Then another angel followed him through the sky, shouting, Babylon is fallen. The great city is fallen because she made all the nations of the world drink the wine of her passionate immorality. 
Then a third angel followed them, shouting, Anyone who worships the beast and his statue, or accepts his mark on the forehead or on the hand, must drink the wine of God's anger. It has been poured full strength into God's cup of wrath, and they will be tormented with the fire burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and the Lamb. The smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever, and they will have no relief day or night, for they have worshipped the beast and his statue, and have accepted the mark of his name. This means that God's holy people must endure persecution patiently, obeying his commands and maintaining their faith in Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write this down. Blessed are those who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they are blessed indeed, for they will rest from their hard work, for their good deeds follow them. Mm. As I read this or as I listen to you read this, what I think about is this is a message of fear God and give glory to to God as opposed to fearing and giving glory to anything else. And it talks about worship, right? And I think we often... Uh, in Christian circles, not always do, but I've often heard it related to only we're going to worship now and they're referring to music. And don't get me wrong, I think music is an incredible part of worship, but that is not all worship is. And I think we see, particularly in these kind of passages, there's this, um, yeah, there's this aspect of to worship something is also to give obedience to it. Like to, I'm going to, I'm going to subscribe to following this person. This is where my allegiance lies. Like I cannot say I worship God, mm. but do what? Obey the fear that I have. Mm. Like, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. If something's coming at me and I'm like, ha, huh, the feelings tell me that this is what I should do. Mm. And God is there going, but trust me. Mm. And I'm like, I can't trust you because my feelings telling me this other thing. Yeah. Or this other political power or, you know, pick anything you want. Yeah. But if, if my focus and, yeah, we'll say the fear of God isn't to him. Mm. Like I'm missing something. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. There's a cool quote that says, be my feelings what they will. Jesus is my savior still. Ooh. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. So we have been speaking about Isaiah chapter 8 and we've been talking about this idea of fearing God. What does it mean to fear God? Um, actually... What, what have your thoughts been? I feel like I've, I've kind of talked a lot here, Renee. Did you, <laughs> did you have any particular, like anything on Revelation uh, 6 we just read? Mm-hmm. Anything uh, that stood out to you? You don't have to, just if there was anything. I just feel like I talked a lot of that. No, no. I, I've been really absorbing what you've been saying. So I think you've brought up some really important points about, um, yeah, just fearing. What what did it say? It said, fear God and give him glory. glory. Yeah. Um, And that's one way you know, we can recognize just one way we can give. Well, it's the way we give glory back to God is recognizing who he is and really seeing God for, because sometimes seeing God for who he is and the character that he, he displays and who he says he is. Mm. Um, because many times we can create in our mind an image of who we think God is. Yes. And many people have a misconception. I think Lyle says this often. He says people don't, people who don't believe in God, it's not that they don't you know, believe it's, it's more so that most people who say that don't believe in the, in the image or the, the picture that they have of mm. him and that has been presented to them yes. by others, Yes, which, you know, if you believe in a God who, um, I guess who, who, who 
who stand, who sits in heaven and just, I guess, allows us to suffer by ourselves and doesn't help us and kind of says like, well, you chose that. That's all on you. Or a God who's very distant and a God who's a tyrant or the God who decides to, you know, burn us forever. Like that's mm. that. So that sounds like a very cruel God that I would not want to, I would not want to believe in. But um, when you actually see God for who he is and who the Bible um, says he is, you see, yeah. you you have fear for that God. You have a kind of a respect and you realize, wow, this is a powerful God who is just amazing. And how can I not worship him? How can I not serve him? How can I not want to be in a relationship with this kind of God? Mm. And we actually see oh, time and time again in the Bible where the heavenly glory of not God, but is manifested to humans. So, you know, the start of Isaiah, we read when, when the seraphim come to Isaiah, he's like, Whoa, what is this? This is a bit terrifying. Uh, when Daniel come, when Gabriel comes to Daniel, I think it's Gabriel, you know, he kind of just does his fall on his face like, oh, my, you know, he's sick for weeks. And part of that is about what this vision is about. Uh, we see in Revelation where John has his angels come and he kind of, yeah, just, just bows down and they're like, whoa, 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 no, don't. Don't you worship me like I'm not. I think there's this element that because we're humans and because we haven't been exposed to this, we don't understand how big this God is. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And I don't know that we can. Like, because our human minds don't live in a – like, we, we can't see that. We can't wrap our, yeah, yeah. Wrap our heads around that. And the Bible says it. It's like, man, you, you can't see the glory of God and live. Yeah. Like, not, not in its full extent. Yeah. Um. Even the fact that you have someone like Moses who when he goes and spends time with God on the mountain, um, that's in Exodus if you guys want to read it. But, yeah, basically God comes um, just – it says that there's all cloud and darkness at the top of the mountain that people can't see and, and Moses is there just, just communing with God. Mm. And he comes out and I think he had to put like a veil over his face because because the brightness was like shining off him mm. and the people are scared, right? The people are like, What? what is this you know what is this power that we're confronted with um and i know that what you just said a really amazing thing which i wanted to just kind of follow along there's also something about understanding who we are and understanding who you are Mm. i don't know if any of you experienced this as a kid or a teenager or maybe even now i don't know where you do something trying to think of an example that i did something once and you know that when your parents find out, you're in trouble. <laughs> you're in big trouble. Yeah. And you also know it's justified. Yeah. So I remember once in high school. Oh, what was it? I I remember the feeling. I think it was, look, it was probably I just didn't do my assignments at school. As in, not I didn't do my homework. Like I did not hand in my assessment. I hadn't even started it. And it was this moment where one of my teachers went, Look, I'm going to need to call your mum. Oh, oh, the my, fear. Oh, the my dread. My dropped to like my tummy. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> and it wasn't because my, my mum wasn't crazy. She wasn't violent. She wasn't, you know, whatever. It was this thing of, oh, man, that's gonna. she's going to be so disappointed. Or mm. um, I just, I did not want that. I hated school. I didn't really know what to do with my work. There are all the reasons why I could give why I didn't do my assignment. They're like, there's heaps I could go through. Actually, at the end of the day, I probably just didn't do it because I, I don't know. I just didn't do it. Mm. But it was that moment when I was like, oh, no. <laughs> and I wonder, 
if it's sort of a similar thing with God, mm. like we just can get caught up in our lives and our choices. Um, some of those choices can be like just blatant sin, just yeah. blatant, I'm going to do this. Mm. Um, some of it is just you it, – it's probably still decision – but it's because you've allowed yourself the small steps to get there, mm-hmm. the small steps away from God and trusting him. Mm. And it's in that moment of, yo, you're accountable for God to this. Yeah. That that's when you, you know, you're you can be like, Oh but but he's God. He's, and I know that he's good. Yeah. And I feel like this is disappointing. And, oh, and this matters. Yeah. And there's a certain fear that comes with that yeah. in my life mm. that it's like, actually, this is who God is. Yeah. And at a small group Bible study the other day, someone said, you know, sometimes we equate ease of access with ease of relationship when it comes to God. Like God wants us to come. He's so willing. But we kind of assume that that means anything is okay at any time. And it's like, yo, any other relationship you have, if you hurt them hard out, that affects relationship. Yeah. Now God is forgiving. God is good. But like there are consequences yeah. that we put ourselves in. Yeah. Absolutely. I um I, I liked how just going back to how you said that God that story where God passes in front of Moses and his face is like shining. I don't know when God when Moses asked to see the glory of God. It's interesting that it, um God actually he passes in front of Moses, but he also describes his character. Yes. His character is unfailing love, um, slow to anger, with patience, and that that is the glory of God. Mm. His 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 character. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. It is nearly the end of our show, and I think you guys know it is now time for... Question of the day. Yeah. All right. So... Um, we are continuing from Ezekiel. Our, our questions are coming from the book of Ezekiel. The, the last chapters of Ezekiel talk a lot about a temple. Mm-hmm. Uh, yesterday we talked about is, um, is the prophecy of the, te- the temple and um, it, it has to be rebuilt. Does it have to be rebuilt? And um, a condition, it was a conditional prophecy, I believe. Um, today's question we're asking, does the Jewish temple need to be re- rebuilt before Jesus returns? Mm, so this is a part two of yesterday, essentially, um, because... Because, as we said, there's a whole lot of um, skills of thought about this. And we just kind of ran out of time yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, basically, there has just been, if you heard the interview over the day, there's been constant turmoil in kind of the Jerusalem part of the world um, and the Middle East for years and years. Um, and many Bible commenters are speculating louder than ever about whether the Jewish temple w- will be rebuilt in the months and years to come. There are entire Christian ministries that are established to assist in the building of the temple because they believe um, it. This needs to be rebuilt to hasten the return of Christ. Oh. Yeah, so for many, such an event will signal the start of the final events of Earth's history. Hmm. However, there's also a few different schools of thought on the topic. So there is in Second Thessalonians chapter two, this idea of the Antichrist power. Well, there's more than just place this place, but it says that day shall come uh, the day shall not come until the sin of man be revealed, the son of perdition, who oppose it opposes and exalts himself above all that is called called, called, uh, called God or that is worshipped. So that as he, as God sits, he sits in the temple of God. So many are saying that the Antichrist has to sit in the temple. Therefore, it obviously has to be rebuilt. Hmm. Um, there have been a whole bunch of books that have been sold about this idea. But if we go to First Chronicles 17, verse 11 and 12, it says, It shall come to pass, I will raise up your seed after you, which shall be of your sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall be to me as a house, and I will establish his throne forever. This prophecy was given to King David, um, saying that 
a temple would be rebuilt. Um, but later, God reaffirms Solomon, your son, he shall build my house and my courts. This text is also one of the clearest examples of a dual prophecy. So we often have that where there's a physical and a spiritual application for later. And Solomon is a son of David. He builds his physical temple. This prophecy also applies to Jesus, the true son of David, who built is to build a temple and a kingdom that will last forever. We have this idea of a temple, uh, uh, sorry, of a kingdom that God is going to bring in a whole bunch in the Bible. So we see that in Daniel as an mm-hmm, example. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so Jesus' prophecy that the pride of the Jewish nation, the temple would be destroyed, inspired the most intense rejection of his teaching. And, Jesus, and John, Jesus says, destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it up. He was speaking of himself mm-hmm. and of living stones, not an actual physical yeah. temple. Yeah. Um, the New Testament is replete with the idea that the temple is now the body of Jesus. Um, even God, after God provided all this evidence that his spiritual is now a uh, spiritual one. Um, many Christians are still waiting for the Jews to receive a construction permit to re- rebuild the physical temple. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1 800 Faith FM.